Drive to the pass. Hold it. Defense. Number 33. Five-yard penalty. Automatic. First down. Greetings and welcome to the Roger Goodgroves Officiating Podcast. I'm your host, Suk, and we have the main man, Roger, with us. But before I introduce you to Roger, I just want to give a big thank you out to Ryan, um, our co-host in the um, mainstream podcast, who was kind enough to fill in for me last week. And to be honest, uh, I'm not just saying this. I think he did a um, fantastic job, much better job than I did. So, <laughs> you know, um, maybe he's taken my place, but for now I'm here this week. But, uh, you know, it's always nice to have, um, you know, Ryan on board and, you know, help us. And, you know, you know, we also got some very good feedback um, about last week's podcast as well, didn't we, Roger? We did indeed. It's always nice to hear some feedback. Exactly. Uh, they, I don't think they remembered what the name of the podcast was, but <laughs> given the fact that they knew what we we're all about, I thought, you know, that was fantastic. And, you know, we, to that listener, you know, if you are listening today, you know, do thank you for that. And, you know, please do pass on any positive feedback that you have, you know, through whether it's through iTunes, word of mouth, you know, we want to get more people sort of listening to, you know, uh, the podcast there. And, you know, if you have any suggestions as well, we're always, you know, welcome to listen to, you know, what uh, you, the listener, want. So, you know, thank you to Ryan and thank you for all you listeners out there, first and foremost. Um, so how are you keeping, Roger, anyway, generally? You yeah, generally okay? okay. My hearing's a little bit um, shot at the moment. Um, I've got a doctor's appointment coming up. Hopefully it'll uh, just be a case of clearing out the ears. But uh, so if I ask you to repeat it, that's the reason. It's not a problem. I, I can appreciate working the last few weeks with uh, Stuart is going to have a massive impact on your ears. But thankfully, uh, this week, he, he should be a bit quiet. And we'll go into that a bit later on um, as to why he should be quiet. But <laughs> so, we'll, uh, <laughs> so, you know, hopefully that will uh, that will help a little bit, Roger. But, um, you know, and, you know, fingers crossed with the with the appointment there. But We'll obviously talk about uh, football. Um, so in terms of the this week's action, obviously everyone's going to want to talk about these ejections, aren't they? Uh, the, the Miami-Cincinnati uh, game is just absolute carnage. Uh, two separate incidents, for those of you who didn't watch. The first incident involved um, Xavier Howard and Tyler Boyd, uh, which we'll talk through. And the second incident, uh, which involved another three ejections, but pretty much involved quite a number of players, most notably from what I remember on the top of my head was Sean Williams on the Bengals. But do, do you want us to talk us through the, the first incident, Roger? Because I have... Well, yeah, I, 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 I mean, it, it's worth bearing... Um, and I wanted to answer a query that came up on the Facebook group, because... Mm-hmm. There were a couple of ejections, but only one flag on the play. So the question was naturally, why? Why wouldn't there be two flags? Well, the reason was that in the two ejections that actually happened, there was a flag on the play thrown by the officials on the field. And then a secondary ejection was instigated by New York watching the replay. Now, mm-hmm. when replay get involved, which is only a fairly recent addition, it used to be all if if it was missed on the field, then it 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 
it got caught up later um, yeah. with fines and things in the week, but nothing actually happened to the players. But now um, we've got better instant replay and, and faster responses, then New York can get involved to review things. And sometimes that's important and necessary. And we'll come back to the, the second batch of ejections because that's really one where New York is needed rather than the guys on the field. But let's take the first mm -hmm. one. So we had a flag on the field. New York came in and then instigated the second ejection. Because New York got involved, they're getting involved from the ejection point of view, but they can't get involved to throw a flag on the field. It's a bit of an anomaly. And that's why there's only one flag on the play. So it's unfortunate because Cincinnati got penalised for the flag, even though there was another offence that actually would have normally offset. Um, so I think that one will get considered by the competition committee going forward um, as anomaly really needs to be um, tightened up because it's a bit unfair on the team that uh, got called for the one on the field and not by the, uh, the New York instigated one. Um, mm -hmm. So coming to the second set of ejections, the, the query that uh, people have asked about on this one, which was what started the incident that caused this mass brawl, was uh, an incident of kick-catch interference. So we had a punt, and it wasn't the first time this happened in the game, which is uh, another reason for it being incendiary. We had a punt, the receiver was just about to get the ball, and one of the guys from the kicking team ran straight into him and cleared him out. Now, mm. so what happened was uh, Miami took exception, no surprise to this, especially two in a row, um, and a lot of their players came off the bench onto the field, including their coaches, um, instigated uh, lots of pushing and shoving and, and a few fists flying. And this is really yeah. where New York is great for getting involved because, you know, you've got seven officials on the field and you've got, you know, 80 players, let's say, more. Um, in this instance, quite a lot of them in the melee. Um, and it's yeah. very difficult to see what's going on who's instigating what, who's really throwing punches and who's in there as a trying to break up players, etc. So it's great that New York could get involved in there in terms of helping. Now, this is what I expect to see many fines later in the week. Um, so there are, there are some set rules that are actually laid down for NFL conduct in terms of fighting. So there's a difference, for example, between a player who's already on the field and one that's come off the bench onto the field. Um, there's also difference between people just standing around in the melee and ones directly involved in the pushing and shoving, etc. Um, so yeah. they will be reviewing that tape, and I would imagine quite a lot of fines um, are winging their way to the players involved, um, or maybe even coaches involved in that in that uh, melee. So, yes, it's, it's unusual to have so many ejections in a game. Uh, in fact, it, it goes back, you know, probably 50 years since the last time there were more than or five or more rejections in a game. Um, and, and certainly things were a little um, more rough and ready in those days. <laughs> no, 100% there, Roger. But in, in all honesty, you know, the first one, I didn't see too much wrong in what Tyler Boyd was do doing wrong. Uh I thought it was really soft, uh, to be honest. And um, I mean, Tyler Boyd's never really got into trouble in the past. Uh, I know Howard's had his fair share of incidents, <laughs> as most corners do, to be honest. But I, I was really surprised by Tyler Boyd, to be honest. And uh, it's, a it's funny you say that because uh, my son met Tyler Boyd last year um, and had a picture with him and the picture's in his room. And 
my wife was watching at the time and she obviously is familiar with the name Tyler Boyd because obviously, you know, Kira's yeah. mentioned it. And the first thing my wife said was, oh, he's setting a good example for your boy. <laughs> and I was like, he's not done anything wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I think they were a little soft. Um, the yeah. thing that you've... It's, it's when you cross the line. So there's pushing and shoving, and then there's blows to the head that are considered swings, like punches or you know, just wild swings towards the head. And um, yeah. you know, the interpretation was that um, some of the pushing and shoving was a bit more than that, and that's why the ejections. Personally, I didn't see it on the first two. Certainly for the three ejections later, yeah, there were definite uh, punches being thrown. But the two that started that off, no, I, th- I think they're a little bit weak, to be honest. Yeah. But uh, once, once they'd had one on the field, um, there was certainly a, a, a returnable um, punch to the face or push to the face, hard shove, whatever you want to describe yeah. it. So it was fair that you know the, the, the two players that were involved were ruled out. Um, mm. And I, I don't know whether that factored into the thinking in that, yes, the first one was a bit soft, but once it was called, that set the bar for whether the second one should be. Yeah, no, I understand that. But frustrating nonetheless. But anyway, we're going to move away from ejections and actually talk about, you know, an incident on the on the field in that same game. So this was the... Um, this this was the Miami formation, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. we've talked about formations before, and 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 people have still a little bit confused. So it's probably worth just going into a little bit more detail about mm. what players are allowed to do, where they're allowed to line up, who's allowed to catch a pass, because um, this goes back to um, the the central issue. Yeah. The particular formation in this. Um, you could almost describe it as a trick play. What happened were there were only a few players in the middle of the field where you'd normally expect the snap to be, and there were lots of players either side of the field, so it was a very spread formation. Um, the snap went to the quarterback. Quarterback ran in for a touchdown. Um, it was called back because of penalty, and it was called back because one of the people who was on the uh, near side uh, sideline was actually mm-hmm. a lineman. So there are a few things in terms of formations that teams have to conform with. And if you're running a trick play, there's very little leeway given for people who are not conforming to those rules. So they are strictly enforced on trick plays. Um, So in terms of what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do, uh, in this example, um, it was a lineman who was on the end of a line. Now, the only people who are allowed to be on the end of a line in the NFL are people who are eligible to catch a pass. And people who are eligible to catch a pass not only have to be in the right position on the end of a line, but also have to be wearing the right shirt numbers. Now, the reason for this goes back down to making it fair for the defense. Defense, if they just had to try and cover any person that went downfield, it would be very difficult for them to cover for passes. Yeah. Um, so there are only certain players who are allowed legitimately to go downfield. They are the players who are on the end of the line and any backs in the backfield. Um, so generally speaking, reduces the number of people. Now, the interior linemen, and I'll use that in the, in the normal sense of the word. So normally we yeah. get a center who snaps the ball, two guards, one either side of him, and then two tackles, one either side of that. That's your interior line. And those linemen have numbers that are, they are not allowed to go downfield to catch a pass. There are exceptions, however, in the NFL. 
a person coming onto the field can report to the referee that they are coming in to be in an eligible position. Yeah. And the referee will notify the defence that the person is an eligible receiver and they will do a strange looking movement which is looks like you you're rubbing crumbs off your chest you know you have yeah. a biscuit and you're now tidying up and they they brush both hands down their their jersey that's indicating that there is a a, a change of number for this particular play yeah. what miami got wrong was that the guy who was on the end of the line failed to report to the referee Obviously, if he didn't report to the referee, the referee won't tell the defence that that's an eligible yeah. number that's in the play, and that is why it was actually pulled back as a flag. So you, you have to be in the right position and with the right number or report to the referee that you are going to be with an ineligible number but an exception on this play, and they fail to report the exception. Yeah, I think we've talked about this one before where... Uh... You actually see it, we've seen it a lot in the London games. I think, uh, I particularly remember the Rams-Bengals game. I think there might have been quite a number of plays whereby one of the linesmen, uh, linemen were reporting as an eligible receiver and you just kept hearing it on the tannoy. Number 73 <laughs> is an eligible receiver. Um, so it's not, like you said, it is a case of of the player having to notify the officials they're doing that so yeah a massive error there and it, it's a shame because it could have obviously yeah it, it would have still play. been a good trick play because mm. at the end of the day yeah it's just unfortunate so I, I don't know could have been yeah. on the linemen yeah I, i'm very surprised that the linemen didn't report because you know linemen are so used to if they're going in on a weird formation notifying the referees of the numbering exception so it, it's really mm. surprising that the player didn't actually report on the play but yeah, he didn't. Yeah. No, and speaking of players, you know, not reporting things, um, we had an incident in the Chiefs-Broncos game where um, ball was thrown downfield by Mahomes to Tyree Kill. Um, doesn't look like he's got the catch there and it's ruled uh, an incomplete pass, but having looked at sort of the replays, the ball seemed to have been received by uh, Tyree Kill. So, Talk us through this particular incident, Roger, in terms of uh, it's a really weird one. Yeah, and you'll probably never see it again, or nothing very similar to it. Um, Tyreek Hill is going down to catch a pass. The pass hits on his shoulder and bounces up into the air. Two players, the the receiver and the defender, go to the ground, mm. looking like you know, to all intents and purposes, that play is over. The ball's just going to bounce into the end zone. But it takes a little kick and it actually lands on top of Tyree Kill. Um, he, he's not particularly aware of, of the ball. Um, he, yeah. He's sort of nestling it with his arm without actually sort of thinking, well, I've got a ball that hasn't yet hit the ground. You know, he's just thinking the ball's ended up with me after it's bounced on the ground. Yeah. Now, so the question marks that come up about this is well, firstly, why wasn't it called a touchdown? Now, I, Whilst you could look at it and say, yeah, it should have been because he did catch it. Even Tyreek Hill didn't know he actually got a ball that had yeah. touched the ground. So that, that's the first exactly. one. So what should happen next is the, the real nub of this. So this is a play that wasn't a turnover and it wasn't a scoring play and therefore was, isn't automatically reviewed by replay. Mm -hmm. 
Now, we'll come back in a second about whether it should be, um, but let's just ignore that for one second and put that to yeah. one side. So what should happen in this example is that if um, Kansas think that they were ill done by the referees, they could call for a replay review, challenge flag, and then obviously replay would take a look at it and would have ruled in their favour and would have got a score. However, Kansas City didn't. Now, that goes down to a couple of people, three areas, which is one, the coaches, um, two, Tyreek Hill. So coming off the ground with the ball in his hand, he he should like, well, did it hit the ground? I don't know. Take a quick look at the, the replay screen and see what happened. Or when he goes back to the sideline, he said, well, I'm not sure. I might have caught that ball, even if he's a bit unsure about it. The, the coaches then can take a look. And the coaching staff are watching replays to try and pick things like that up to see if there is something that should be challengeable or yeah. to see if rules have been misadministered, etc. So, you know, there's people who are being paid to do that job. Unfortunately, Tyreek Hill didn't report in until the replay came up on the screen after the next play had been run. Um, wow. And they look of amazement on his face and the coach's face because they realized they just had a touchdown that they didn't do anything <laughs> about. So yeah. that's what should have happened. They should have challenged it. It would have been a, a touchdown in replay, but it wasn't. So let's just come back to the why didn't replay get involved question. Mm-hmm. So we need to look a little bit about the history of replay in the NFL. When they introduced replay, they gave a specific remit for replay to be involved. So it wasn't a carte blanche replay can look at everything. There are only certain things, and they're usually things that are indisputable. Did a player foot touch out of bounds? Did the ball cross that line, etc.? Those sort of things. They're not there to review every single aspect of the game, nor to call fouls that might have been missed on the field. So, you know, things they're not allowed to do. Yeah. Now, there is an argument, and I, I would fairly strongly suggest that um, they would should expand replay rules for the NFL and bring in a, a sort of sky judge because it's becoming more and more a fast-moving game. And, you know, while you've got well-trained officials who are great at doing their job, I mean, people complain about them, but, you know, in reality, they're 99.9% there in real time without the use of replay. And they'll yeah. occasionally get it wrong, and that's where replay is designed to come in to uh, correct those mistakes. Um, but there's so much going on in a play that there are chances that things will get missed. And if there are things like this where it's so, you know, it didn't cost Kansas the game, luckily, um, but, you know, it, it was a, a clearly a, a, a what could have been a momentum swing, etc. And mm-hmm. should replay be involved and should they actually extend their uh, remit to actually have a review of potential scoring plays? Now, the NCAA has this. Their replay officials look at every play. And if there is a significant competitive advantage to the play, they will get involved if it's, for example, uh, mismanagement of the clock towards the end of the game. They can get involved to put time back on the clock. If it's a a down and it it was ruled short, but it was actually um, did get to the lines again, they can get involved um, to actually um, overturn. And and I would say there is a a strong argument to say that uh, replay in the NFL should be extended to actually say, scoring plays that were ruled not scoring plays should automatically be reviewed any play that revolves around like you know three yards out 
from the end zone was it or wasn't it in yeah. or not those should be automatically reviewed in my opinion yeah not 100% but the bottom line is obviously you know the chiefs know it's not within the rules at the minute and their their team should have done a lot better in terms of trying to understand that this could have been a potential challenge for them you know it's not like i don't believe they were out of any timeouts or challenges so you know, they should have utilised that, but, you know, there yeah. you go, you live and learn. Yeah. Um, it didn't cost them the game. Yeah, I mistakes guess. were made. And, you know, yeah. like all things in life, if you make a mistake, the, the key is to learn from it. Yeah, 100%. I, I think the only people that will be really upset will be those fantasy enthusiasts who potentially have missed out on uh, winning a game because Tyree Kill has, you know... <laughs> I mean, that's potentially 10 points down the drain, isn't it? So, yeah. But you never mind. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Um, anyway, normally I don't like to talk about this team, but let's have a talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, <laughs> Roger. Let's have a talk about them because, you know, this week, this week, they have finally lost. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, so, uh, sorry for my bias, but, you know, you have you know when you've heard it all this... Yeah, this all year, season long has been in your ear. It's just... It's just a really nice feeling, you know, and I've still not heard from Stuart today, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see when he uh, when he comes out and uh, you know is on talking terms, should we say? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I didn't watch this game because I set my alarm for the 49ers Buffalo game. Now, yeah. obviously, no aware of the score because number one, lack of messages from Stuart on WhatsApp indicates something's gone wrong here and all the other messages on social media. Um, so, which is fine. Cause at the end of the day, uh, I knew, you know, I'd find out the result. Um, but there's a, a number of incidents in this particular game. So the first one is involving a punt return um, by Washington and a fair catch ruling by the Steelers. Um, so talk us through this particular incident. Yeah. So uh, the reason I wanted to include it, is we talked earlier about the Miami play and the fact that there was kick-catch interference. So two things about kick-catch interference that need to be said. The first one is, if somebody doesn't signal for a fair catch, there is a misconception that that player is open season. They can take him out, doesn't matter when. It's not true. Um, receivers are defenceless when they're concentrating on the ball being... Um, kicked in the air they're not ready to brace for contact therefore that even if they haven't signaled for a fair catch they actually have protection for the moment they're catching the ball and just before now in the Miami game the defended player got to the the person who was waiting to receive the kick before the kick arrived that's called kick catch interference now Steelers were complaining about the fact that there should have been a flag for kick-catch interference on a punt that they had. Now, the exception to the kick-catch interference rule, which is why I wanted to bring this one into play, is that if you are blocked into the returner, it is not your responsibility. It's the person who blocked you. Therefore, there is no flag because it wasn't your fault that you actually ran into the returner. So it's important yeah. there to differentiate between somebody who's deliberately taking out the returner and somebody who's accidentally taking out the returner because they're not in control of their sure. own motion. So it's a, it's a short one to have a look at, but worth differentiating when you look at it again and say, yeah, you didn't get given the opportunity to catch the ball. 
No, he didn't, but it wasn't his fault. Yeah, yeah that's a very good point there, Roger. And uh, the next incident in that game is a, a, a bit of confusion regarding a first down play uh, or attempts to get a first down from the Steelers. Yeah, there was a lot of noise on social media for this one. And um, I, I can understand why there was, but equally... It's lack of rules knowledge for both the people who are complaining and, more importantly, the commentators that caused this issue. So what we actually had was um, Washington going for a first down and the player diving towards the line to gain. And on the uh, video, you see that the player reaches the ball past the line to gain pylon. So that's why people are saying this is the first down. It's clear he got the ball past the pylon. Yes, it is clear that he got the ball past the pylon. However, he was going diagonally out of bounds. So the rule says that the ball is dead at the point at which it crosses the sideline, not the point at which it, where it ends up, where the player is diving out of the sideline. So you need to draw a line back from the point at which he came down to the point at which the player took off, so went airborne. Draw a line back there at the point at that intersects the sideline is the point at which the ball was dead. So whilst, yes, the replay does show that the player stretched the ball out past the pylon, he did it out of bounds by a couple of yards. Right. Um, so it the commentators were complaining because they said, well, it's clearly a first down. And people were complaining on social media because they said, well, replay didn't overturn it. So you can understand why on the field it might not have been called correctly because it was, you know, it was hard to see it. Um, But replay didn't overturn it because it was clear that it was a first down. Well, you're right. It was clear that he got the ball past the pylon. What was unclear in replay was exactly what point the ball crossed the sideline. But it's fairly clear to see that it wasn't the point at which the ball was put down out of of bounds. It would have been at some point back from there. And that's why replay let the call stand, because they can't say for sure where exactly it was. But it wasn't at the point that the ball ended up. That is definitely sure. And that's why it was overturned. So it's a, a little bit of a misunderstanding of people in terms of when the ball is out of bounds. It's not when it lands. It's where it crossed the sideline. Exactly. And like you pointed out, it doesn't get help when commentators are, are over it. Yeah, I, I, I can understand it. Commentators know. have a fairly good understanding of the rules on general plays, but the nuances of the rule, which is what the officials live and die by, they're not really good at. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes they they take their general knowledge and extend it into areas they don't quite know about. And they, they say it confidently, mm. And people, therefore, believe that they know what they're talking about. Unfortunately, uh, it's a well-proven um, track record for uh, commentators not to get um, calls like that right. Yeah, but I, d- I do enjoy it. Like, with certain games, you do get, like, a, an ex-official um, who will... I mean, we, we see it in soccer all the time now, um, you know, with the VAR decisions. And I'm sure I've seen it in some NFL games, I think particularly, you know, the Monday night football, they'll have like a, an ex-official yep. there in the background. will talk through the play and, and give a, an opinion on the decision, you know? So 
I think it's always it's always handy to have someone with that sort of experience well, it is. behind the booth as well. And and, and Fox um, were the first to actually have officials as um, commentators. So you now have people like Dean Blandino, who is um, the ex-VP of officiating for the NFL, and Mike Pereira, who also had that role before him. Sure. Um, and there, Fox took Mike Pereira first away from the NFL to actually be a rules analyst so that they could actually talk knowledgeably about plays like this rather than the commentators getting involved with lack of knowledge. They had somebody who actually knew what it was talking about to actually say, yeah, that should be or shouldn't be. This is why it should or shouldn't be. And uh, so those, those yeah. players or those um, positions have now expanded and you've now got people like Gene Steratore who used to be a referee uh, talking for one of the channels. Um, John Parry um, was on last night's broadcast as a commentator for the officiating rules. So, you know, more and more uh, people realizing that they need to have that level of knowledge. Yeah. Never know, Roger might, might get you in on there one day, you know, <laughs> maybe <laughs> would be nice. Maybe Sky um, Sports should employ me. Why not? Why not? Neil Reynolds, gang, if you're listening, you know, if we've got Roger on the case here, if you need someone, 100% be, I think it'd be fantastic, to be honest. I can I can actually see that happening. Well, the thing uh, is, they have lots of breaks where the, the, the broadcast in the States is gone to adverts, and Sky don't have as yeah. many adverts as the States do, and therefore they've got time to fill. So it's a logical one, but um, hey. Yeah. Never know, never know. Stranger things. That is true. But the we're still going on talking about the Steelers and the Washington game. So I have actually seen this particular instance. So the end of the second quarter um, and the time clock. What happened here, Roger? Because the time just suddenly stopped, didn't it? Yeah. So clock is running down at the end of the quarter Washington are driving they're getting into field goal position they've got very little time on the on the clock they run a play or probably wasn't intended to be a run play but they, they ended up being a, a Smith run or he was sacked tackled um, now what should happen here is they know that they've got one play they've got no timeouts left they need to get the field goal team onto the field they had about 16-17 seconds left in the half now Smith took the game ball with him when he left the field. <laughs> now, the mechanics yeah. of um, game officials getting the ball into play and getting ready so that there the can be another play are quite complex. But generally speaking, when there is no time pressure, the officials will swap the ball out for a kicking ball. Um, yeah. And so they'll take the normal game ball out, put a kicking ball in, and then that will be the one that's used by the team to try and kick the field goal. When time is tight, the officials obviously haven't got time to mess around because clock's running. They will take the ball that's nearest on the field. Unfortunately, because Smith took the ball away, they didn't have that ball opportunity. So they then had to get a ball from the sideline into the field of play. Now, I, th I don't think you'll see this one come up again because it, it, it's helped or not helped by COVID. The yeah. sideline personnel nowadays, due to COVID restrictions, are restricted in the numbers they have. So there are less people on the chain crew than there would normally be. There are less ball boys. They don't have the kickball coordinator. A number of other yeah. positions like um, 
replay. It used to have the tablets on the sideline at the 25-yard line where they used to, the referee used to go over and have a look. Well, that's now uh, gone at the moment. The less, those two people are no longer there. And they now, if they want to review it, they go to the traditional old um, under the hood. Um, so yeah. you've got a number of people that would normally be around to shuttle in the ball weren't there. Smith took the game ball with him and they had to get a kicking ball. Now, in this instance, and this is where I think the referees went wrong, which is it was Washington's fault that there wasn't a ball available because Smith took the ball yeah. that would have been the quickest to recycle in there. I personally wouldn't have stopped the, the clock trying to get sure. that ball because it was Washington that, that disadvantaged themselves. If what Washington hadn't have done that, they probably could have got uh, the field goal in, but I wouldn't have given them the extra opportunity because they created that circumstance themselves. I don't think you'll see any changes in the mechanics for the referees. This is a, a particular COVID issue, but they will be made aware of it on their weekly tapes um, to just look out for this situation happening. And, and if somebody tries to game the system, um, so I think they'll be more aware of it and they won't let the, the team get away with that one again. Yeah. It was an unusual one, but fair play, Alex Smith. I mean, I don't know if you did it on, you know, on purpose. I get the feeling. I don't think he's that sort of character. Yeah, word. I he just seemed think to smile as he went off the field. I, I, I don't know if the grimace mm. or, or that he didn't actually uh, get the pass or but uh, it, it certainly looked like he might have thought about it when he was on the ground. Mm. Under normal circumstances, the only time you take the ball off the field is if you've done something good with it. You scored a touchdown or yeah. whatever, you know, like this week, you know, um, Aaron Rodgers getting his 400 touchdown, et cetera. That, that sort of thing, you'd take the ball as a com commemoration. So there is really no reason for Smith to take that ball with him. So, and he did look like as he was getting up, he sort of paused for a moment. So uh, <laughs> you can't indicate mm. that it was or it wasn't, but it certainly there was strong indications that he intended to do that and he thought consciously. Yeah. Maybe it's that bias of knowing, you know, Alex Smith and what's happened to him in the past 12 months. That's letting me give him yeah, a I agree. Clean, I, clean break, I, maybe. I mean, yeah. comeback player of the year, isn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, at the start of the season when people were saying it, when he made his first appearance, I was like, he's done nothing on the field. But now that he has actually done something on the field now, and particularly, you know, obviously instigating a, a win over the Steelers, you definitely got to give him. He's got to oh, be up yeah, there anyway, absolutely. hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, in, sure it's interesting. Like you mentioned... it, but, um, it was a great, great result. No, no. To be fair, Stewart's. Uh, I think still is quite high on the Alex Smith train. Uh, so I'm sure part of him. I think if you're going to lose to anyone, maybe you'd be quite yeah. happy to lose to Alex Smith if there's any such game. But it's interesting. You mentioned uh, Aaron Rodgers. Now I know we briefly talked about this, but. There was some sort of, uh, there was a lot of contentious talk about his 400th touchdown uh, pass to Devontae Adams. Um, I mean, do you want to yeah. maybe just quickly mention that? Well, we talked yeah. about it last week, actually. We talked about who, when you're tackling the runner, can you grab his face mark? And why is it okay for the runner to push the face mark as the def defender? And it all goes down to an open hand pushing away or uh, holding. Um, isn't a foul, but when you grab the face mask and pull or twist, that is when there is a foul. Yeah. And uh, the 400th 
touch was a little bit tainted for me because the receiver actually pushed away the defender with his face mask and caught his finger in the face cage and did his face guard mm. forward with it. Um, so if it had been spotted, that would have been a flag and it would have pulled it back. Uh, so uh, tainted the uh, 400 a little bit, I'm afraid. Yeah, I've got I've got a brilliant idea now. I just come out with it now. So how about if anyone touches the face mask and if it's pushed or pulled, there's some sort of trigger and the helmet lights up. <laughs> well, it's okay to push the face mask, and that's the difference though. You you can push it. Yeah, but the actual yeah, but the actual dragging of it. So if you if you drag it then and pull it, then It'll trigger like yeah, some sort of mechanism. It's a difficult one because it's any helmet opening because you can actually grab a helmet at the back and that would be a foul as well or uh, an ear hole or whatever. So it's uh, it's it's a bit more difficult than the, the technology would allow, I think. I know. I just like the idea of like some siren going off. I think that'd be great. <laughs> but never mind. That's enough of my stupid ideas, to be honest. Um I think, uh, yeah, it's been an eventful one, hasn't it, Roger? Um, Again. It's so great we've got another game on tonight. We have. uh, We may have more things to talk about. Uh, Baltimore, the Ravens at the Cowboys, or was it vice versa? I can't even remember who's at home now. But, yeah, I I love the fact that we get games now on different days. Yeah, and the fact that we had two games yesterday. I know I obviously didn't watch one of them, but... um, it wasn't my intention was to watch the Steelers Washington game, but what happened was literally, I think the first quarter I automatically just started sort of dozing off. If I'm being perfectly honest, and I was like, you know what, I'm I don't want to miss the Buffalo game because I do like watching Josh Allen and that offense play. So I was like, I'm going to set the alarm, and I can always give this one a miss. So um, you know. So probably picked the wrong game, but never mind. There was a lot of... I, I was doing it the other way around, and I thought, I'll watch the first one, and then I'll watch the second one uh, in the morning on a catch-up. Yeah. Unfortunately, I actually fell asleep at the end of the the, uh, the last quarter, so I had to watch the last quarter and catch-up, and then the second game. Oh, right. Complete opposites. But that's, that's it, you know. It's just so many games on, and particularly on a Sunday. I mean, I... I stay up for all sort of the late games. Um, so, you know, obviously we have work and everything as well. So, you know, you, you've got to, you got to have that energy for work uh, as well. You can't just it, simply. It, it's interesting. You know, that this will be the the first year and the only year probably where we actually have an NFL game on every single day of the week, because we've got Christmas day game coming up on a Friday. So um, that will complete mm. the series. If, um, if we can keep COVID free for that one. Yeah, hundred percent. I love a I love a Christmas Day game. I mean, being a being an NBA fan as well, get we get a lot of basketball on on Christmas Day. So, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. But any further plans for the week, Roger? Or are you just going to no? Just looking forward to the just, weekend. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm a bit nervous <laughs> this week, to be honest. It's uh, Bucks have got a massive game against the Vikings, and I, I I don't. I don't feel too good about it, to be honest. Feel a bit queasy just thinking about it, especially. I know the Vikings. No, they're not very, very good recently. Very good. No, but then sometimes it just takes an overtime win against a poor team to just rally your troops <laughs> up, and they they could go they could go go there with confidence, you know. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings got a result, but just keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, that's it uh, for today's pod, guys. Uh, Thank you for listening and 
really appreciate you know any comments feedback you know do let myself roger stewart um you know and all the guys uh know and we're more than happy to sort of um you know talk about it on the pod so appreciate that and uh once again thank you to ryan again for yeah no worries and remember that links to the videos we've discussing are in the podcast description 100 percent and we'll be uh yeah it'll be out very shortly so thank you very much for that, right. guys Thanks take a lot. care